How are we all going? Awesome. So most of you know, but if you have been away or you're new, Phil and I went a few weeks ago to Indonesia for a couple of weeks. Um, we were involved in a big pastoral conference over there where all the pastors from Indonesia gathered and we went and saw a few different places and experienced uh, many, many things. Um, my very first trip to Indonesia, and so I have the privilege this morning of sharing some of the things that I experienced and what God revealed to me um, through that process. So if you're, if you're not a, a traveller like me, going to a place like Indonesia is a massive cultural shock. You actually, all your senses get completely wrecked. You, you see things that you, you just can't take in. You smell things, you hear things, you feel things, you even taste things that are just completely um, foreign to you. And let me tell you, my senses got completely rocked. Uh, being born and raised in New Zealand and not travelled anywhere, going to a place like Indonesia is, uh, yeah, is quite a big eye-opener. Um, living my whole life here, I became what I would actually call culturally arrogant. Um, meaning the lenses in which I view my life and the world was very narrow and very, I boxed them in. And I think if we're all honest, we're probably all a little bit culturally arrogant at times. Those who have travelled will probably identify uh, what it's like to, to immerse yourself into a different culture for quite a while. We've got a number of South Africans with us, and I know that you have travelled, and a lot of you have shared um, with me that it was really important that you immersed yourself with the Kiwi culture and that you didn't just become a little subculture of South Africans in New Zealand. And so when you travel, you actually, your senses get completely opened up if you're willing to step out of your box and experience the culture that you move into. It's, it's really quite profound. I have um, been in church and here for about 12 or 13 years, and I've heard the story. Um, but there's nothing compared to getting your feet on the ground, being actually there and being, uh, being able to meet the people and, and have your senses completely blown away is, is just something new. It takes a whole new, new lens on it on for me. Um, so my initial assessment was generally, if I was to be completely honest, I, very judgmental. Because I'd lived in my Kiwi culture for so long, when you look at a different culture, you're very very quick to judge it, whether it's good or bad, you know. Um, and so I stood there and I started to think, oh my goodness, I would never do that. But for, for that culture, it's completely normal and acceptable. And so I, I realized how big my cultural arrogance was when I put myself in that environment. And these things can happen through all our senses, by the things that we hear and the things that we see, we can, we can block off and put barriers up really quickly. You know, if you think about all the times in the Bible where the Pharisees and the religious leaders saw Jesus perform many, many miracles right in front of their eyes, and they missed it. You know, they were too, they were too concerned about the miracle taking place on the Sabbath because they had built themselves a, this religious way of living that they actually missed the Christ standing right in front of them. Um, Jesus did many miracles. He taught with an authority that silenced them. He fulfilled every spoken and written, written prophetical word ever mentioned about him. And but because of their barriers that they put up and what their expectations were, they missed the Messiah standing right in front of them. 
They missed it because they were blind, because it didn't go the way they thought it would go. They didn't look like the way they thought it was going to look like. Their vision was very narrow. And this was a real big revelation for me. If you think about all the Israelites that left Egypt, think about all the things that God did for them and saw, that they saw. They heard his voice. And a whole generation died in a desert. If you look at Hebrews 3, verse 7 11, it says that today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me. Though for 40 years they saw what I did, that is why I was angry with that generation. I said, Their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared, an oath in my anger that they shall never enter my rest. God showed them so much of his power and his magnificence, and yet a whole generation died because of their unbelief. That's a massive challenge for us, that if we hear his voice, not to harden our hearts. And this is what I felt God strongly put on me to share with you uh, this morning through my journey of Indonesia, if we look at the Indonesian culture and we look at New Zealand's culture, but more importantly, we need to be keeping our eyes focused on the kingdom culture. You know, in, in each culture, Indonesian, New Zealand, Australian, whatever culture on earth we live in, there's always subcultures. You know, in New Zealand, we've got Maori culture, we've got many different religions. Even in Taumuri, there's probably many different subcultures based on what you believe and you see and You've learned over your life the things that frame our lenses and how we view life. But in heaven, there is one culture. It's God's way. And God is righteous. He is just. He is perfect in everything. There is no need to have a subculture in heaven. You know, Satan tried to change things and be the top, and he got booted out because it's not God's way. You know? So I want us to look at uh, this morning of what does kingdom culture look like despite what we view our culture should be Indonesian, South African, New Zealand. It does not matter because what matters is kingdom culture. You know, Matthew 6, 9, it says that our Father, or 9 to 15, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others your sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. That's kingdom culture. Everything that Jesus did on earth represented kingdom culture. In John 5, 19, it says that Jesus gave them this answer that very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus was a complete reflection of the culture of heaven. Despite being in a culture that had so many different variants, he represented the father constantly. He brought kingdom culture to earth. And we are called, and as Jesus teaches us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. His kingdom, his purpose, not ours. And so the challenge for us is to be able to uh, see what his culture is doing and, and allow it to change ours. 
not to be so culturally arrogant and put barriers up that we, we hear the voice of God and harden our hearts. We actually need to hear what God is saying and shift our culture to mirror the kingdom of heaven. And this was a, a massive challenge for me because the kingdom come, thy will be done is, is a challenge because James 1, 20, 1 verse 22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. That's challenging because quite often we can hear a message from God and, and instantly we put up a barrier or a cultural lens and we actually miss what God is trying us to say. You know, Kathy shared an awesome message. I listened to it on the plane. Not only did she find a really cool way how to eat during the message, which I thought, that was brilliant, how to have snacks while you're teaching. I think that should be a part of every message. She challenged us on what to do with what's in our hands. You know, she, she gave out a number of things. We could only, I could only imagine what she was doing, but pulling things out of a bag. A whole different variety of gifts and talents and things that God puts in our hands to use. The question I, I had on the plane as I looked back and I thought, what did you do with it? How many have done something with what's in their hands, been challenged in that message? Or have you merely just had your ears tickled? Or have you done what it says? Because if, you, if we get challenged to use what God puts in our hands and we do nothing with it, we've deceived ourselves. Because that is kingdom culture. That is what God is calling us to do, to partner with him with what he's given us in order that his name can be glorified in our community. So if you do nothing with it, you've, to be honest, you've just tickled your ears and you've actually can, deceived yourself. And that's challenging to be able to sit there and hear what God is calling us to do and then actually change our culture in order to align it with heaven's culture and, and have him do what he wants to do. See, when... The title for my message this morning was Waking the Sleeping Giant. See, when a church starts embracing the kingdom culture more than our own, we will see the giant that is the church start to do some amazing things, won't we? We will start to see a community go, wow, look at that church, what a giant. Because quite often we can see a church just every now and then will do something great and then just go back to a lethargic state just a state of being and existing. But the kingdom culture says that we are a giant. You know, we are massive when we rally together and we walk in kingdom culture. We will see the enemy run. We won't even need to go and fight him because he will flee from us because the giant's powerful. You know, a sleeping giant, nobody really, oh, look, there's a giant, it's wow. But one that's awake and that it's on fire, man, what is the church gonna look like when we step into the all of the kingdom culture? that we have for ourselves. So there are four things that I saw in Indonesia that challenged my cultural view. Um, not the New Zealand way, not necessarily the Indonesian way, but how have I embraced kingdom culture despite my New Zealand uh, barriers and the framework of life that I do life from. So but before I start, I want to just show you, or I want to share with you some other things that were just like, wow. <laughs> Um, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the Indonesian chicken, but they have the most ugliest chickens in the world. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen all the chickens in the world, but I'm pretty sure if there was a, uh, a chicken parade that they would become number one. I mean, the last. They are hideously ugly. Long, skinny legs, um, scrawny bodies, not much meat on them. So it's actually a pleasure to eat them because they're just ugly. 
Um, they are. It's something you're just like, wow. But you also have to be careful on how you eat them because eating over there is really different. You've got to be very careful of what water that even the chickens are cooked in because you can't just drink the water. Coke is your best friend in Indonesia because it kills everything inside. Um, we went to one place near the end where we were going to have this crispy chicken for breakfast and um, we went in and we sat down, we got our Cokes and ready, but then Pastor Yoss, who was um, overseeing us, said, come on, let's go find somewhere else. And, oh, okay, that's fine. We didn't realise till we hopped in the car, he said, oh, that chicken was cooked yesterday. You've got to be careful. Eating these ugly birds can be really costly. Um, you can spend the next few days, yeah, away by yourself. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, but yeah, just eating there is completely different. You're eating rice three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. My goodness, we got to Bali finally on our way home, and our guest brought us dinner, and it was rice. Um, we've had it for two weeks, and <laughs> we're in Bali with his McDonald's, and no, we'll have rice. <laughs> it was great. But you know, as Phil shared last week, that it's a very impoverished nation, and so it's salt with a bit of, bit of um, rice with a bit of salt. And if they're feeling a bit affluent in their funds, they might add a bit of fish or one of these ugly chickens that are running around the place. But, you know, for a family to go through 100 kgs of rice a month, that's phenomenal. We go through probably 500 grams, and I protest on that. Well, I will now, anyway. Um, traffic over there is insane. You've got to keep your eyes fixed on anything but the cars around you because I can guarantee you, you will not take enough pair of clean underwear. It is intense. You've got two lanes and five cars and motorbikes all trying to squeeze into this one gap. It's chaos. But it works because it's just how their culture is formed. You know, they beep every time. And it's not out of a rudeness. They beep just to let you know, hey, I'm coming up beside you and behind you. You do that in New Zealand, you're generally beeping to let them know what you think of that person's driving ability with a bit of a gesture and a bit of and the, you know, a few choice words, just cultural differences. But when you go, you, you know, Phil's strong, uh, Atwood's wise words, do not put your arms outside the vehicle because they are that close. You almost have a, yeah, hop on back, pretty, pretty thing. And there are families on motorbikes, families of four. We'd need five or six motorbikes for our family to get around. But it's, it's just amazing. Little kids and mums and dads and kids hanging off all these sort of transportation over there is, is, is scary. <laughs> um, people are amazing. The people that we met, just lovely people on fire for God. They just uh, have a heart for seeing God's word being spread. Um, meeting the ones that you have heard stories about, Derma and, and those other people, was just such a delight. It's, uh, you can't put words to it. Um, they're just a lovely, lovely people. You're a giant over there. Even I was tall, which I'm happy about. You're having photos because you have, I don't know, a thousand selfies all the time, and you're putting your arm around and there's their head, and you're, <laughs> you're right. It's fairly cool. So even if you're short, you'll, you'll fit in really well. Um, yeah, but religion over there is, is, is ripe. Obviously, it's the largest Muslim nation in the world, and, and they will invest more money into the tombs of the dead than their own homes. This was something that just shocked me. Um, you see a, a real flash tomb that, you know, 
honours their the, the dead, but right beside their shack that they lived in and dirt floors and not much. It's just way of diff, um, doing life. And, and so my cultural barriers were pretty rocked and pretty shaped. Um, but I want to encourage you to, to really, if, if you want to have your life changed as we partner with Indonesia, then see Phil and get on board because it's, you can sit here and for years and hear the stories and be passionate on board, but once you put your feet on the ground, it's a whole different story. Um, it's, it's really cool. So before I start my four, that's a long introduction, eh? Before I start my four things that God revealed to me, I have a disclaimer. These are the things that God challenged me on, okay? I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not saying this is what we're like, but I want you to, uh, at the same time, hear what God might be saying to you. The challenge is, is today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart, okay? So I'm speaking about what I experienced in my passion, so please receive it with grace because it might be a bit passionate at times. So the first one that God really opened my eyes to was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We had the privilege of running the youth group on Saturday night that when we were in Baligay. Um, we had a great time of praise and worship. I shared a message that for me just shows how awesome God or Jesus is through the scriptures. Um, and then we had a time of praying for them. And as Phil shared last week that all the guys came up and I laid hands on them and, and, and I spoke a word of encouragement or what I felt God was saying at the time. Um, and every male come forward. There wasn't it wasn't just, oh, yeah, if I feel like it. No, they were all hungry for God. This is the passion that they have over there for God. Prayed for them. Then the ladies, they all jumped up. We had a bit of music first because there's quite a long period in between the two. And so it's quite easy to disconnect if you're not involved. And so we intentionally put a bit of music on. And, and as they stood, some of them were just crying. I didn't even need to say anything or, or speak. They were just hungry for an encounter with God. Um, and then we recognize the time that, hey, okay, let's build this because Holy Spirit wants to, to move mightily. And so we invited the guys back up and bam, the, 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 the fire of the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And there were some of them on the floor, some of them were crying, but everyone received uh, an impartation and a filling of the Holy Spirit. You know, they chase that as a culture. They chase the fire of God and his presence to be continually filled. Kiwi culture, when the opportunity comes to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with God's love and power, we quite often only see a handful of people come forward. And in that, there is quite often the, the mindset or the cultural thinking that, oh, those people, you know, I only go forward to receive a touch from God if I'm broken or I'm hurting or I really need God in a situation. But the kingdom of heaven is being filled with God's presence all the time. It's a constant filling and empowering of the Holy Spirit. It's being constantly filled, that, uh, that living water flowing through us. Every single person in the youth group came forward and got smashed with the Holy Spirit. We tend to think sometimes that I got filled with the Holy Spirit about three or four years ago. I was prayed for, so I don't need to be filled with the Holy Spirit anymore. I've got the Holy Spirit. And I know that because that was my mentality. But we should be a church where every opportunity that 
God wants to touch you that we should be running forward despite our circumstances because we want to have a, a touch from God. We want to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Spirit. Regardless, we should be hungry and chasing for it, not allowing a barrier to come and stop us and think, oh, I don't need that. You should want that. We should want to be filled and empowered and, and called and loved and have God touch us every opportunity. I wonder if a church, as, as, the, as the church or a church in, in Taumuri, that every time Phil or whoever was leading say, look, the fire of God wants to fall, that all of us run forward because you all want a desire to be filled with God's presence. That would be powerful. That would be a giant waking up, being filled, continually filled with the baptism, not listening to the lie that is, I got filled last year or I was here three weeks ago. Constantly, continually take that opportunity to be filled with the Father's love. Man, that's God, fill me. Fill me, fill me, fill me. The second area was around uh, the water baptism. Now, we know as a culture quite a lot about water baptism. Um, we even have our water, our baptism service coming up on the 14th, like 10 days away. So, water baptism or baptism is not new to us. And Phil and I had the privilege of baptizing four young men after the service on Sunday in Lake Toba. And I'll be honest with you, and here is my first response when I was asked to do it. So this is my internal response. I didn't even share this with Phil. <gasps> um, is that I don't even really know these guys. Wouldn't they rather have someone more special baptizing them than me? Someone that was closer to them? Someone that they had journeyed life with? Do you know what Jesus' response was to me? <laughs> they're not getting baptized because of you, they're getting baptized because of me. <laughs> and actually, they counted it as a great honor for us to partner with them. And I did too. But how quick was my barrier of cultural lens come up straight away? It, it scared me. Um, and so, how does that apply to us? Well, I'm going to plagiarise Pastor Mike Hill here. So he was with us on the conference. Um, he's the founder of Hope Village. Um, and he shared this amazing message. So I'm going to do exactly what he does, and you're going to join in, um, because this is how it's going to apply to us. So you have to repeat after me, okay, in a nice, loud voice. Okay, you ready? This message rocked me. Followers of Jesus. Followers of Jesus. Follow Jesus. I'll say it again, just in case you missed it, because this is deep theological to the core. Followers of Jesus, follow Jesus. So if you're not following Jesus, you're not a follower of Jesus. That's a tough statement. These four young men were being faithful and obedient to follow Jesus. God was just talking about the barriers that we had in, in regards to baptism. Things like, oh, I don't really know enough about it to be baptized yet. I think I need to learn more. And yet you read in Acts 2 that 3,000 people on one day were saved and baptized. There was a culture of baptism. They, they recognize that, but so do we. Can be a barrier, thinking you need to know more. And yet all it would take is probably a five-minute discussion about the value and the importance of baptism. 
Other barriers can be things like, well, I was either Christian, christened as a young person. I, I had the sprinkling of water. And that's not what Jesus is implying. Jesus is full submersion and water baptism. Or I'm not sure if I'm really ready to be baptized. Here's a rhetorical question. How many people keep putting off being baptized? What are the barriers that you're listening to that are stopping you to being faithful and obedient? Because followers of Jesus follow Jesus. We have and two amazing, actually, opportunities coming up. The encounter night on the 11th is full shed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to be touched, to be filled, filled with fire. I'm excited for that. I'm expectant for that. We also have our baptism service on the 14th. Many Christians for many years wrestle with baptisms, but follow Jesus, follow Jesus. I'm wondering if you have been putting off baptism for such a long time because you have a cultural barrier or a lens because the enemy is trying to rob, steal, and kill what God's got for you. So the challenge I put, if you haven't been baptized, followers of Jesus, follow Jesus. 14th is a great opportunity to come and be baptized and to be faithful and obedient to what God's calling us into. I want you to be a part of it. It's awesome. Now, the third area was around giving. But so before you switch off, <laughs> okay, because half of the church does because the stats tell us that half the church give. That's, that's just fact. I want you to ask one question first. What does giving look like in heaven? Because remember, we're looking at kingdom culture regardless of our culture and our lens. What does the culture of heaven look like when it comes to giving? You know what I think it looks like? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God gives everything. God's given everything. Generosity and giving in heaven, I believe, looks like everything. We are not, now we are called as followers to follow Jesus and to give, and, and Scripture is, is so full of giving. Old Testament, New Testament, generosity is, is rife throughout the Scriptures. I have yet to find a Scripture where God says that I can hold it all for myself and store it and keep it for me. Not one Scripture that I have searched for is able to tell me that. And yet we are very quick to put up a cultural barrier when the word giving comes into our, into our ears. And yet kingdom culture is, man, we give everything. We all know, and we probably all would agree that we know that God gives us everything in the first place. And yet the barrier comes in when God challenges us or calls us to give a portion back. You know, what amazed me over there is that on the Sunday morning they had, had their time for giving. And on the left and the right of the church, they had these two giving stations. One, both of them had a little red giving bag and a blue giving bag. One was for giving to the local church and one was for giving to missions because they're still partnering in spreading of the gospel. Okay, it's still their kingdom principle. They walk in that. And what astounded me is as we got up and we partnered with them in that because it's kingdom culture, not one seat was empty. Every single person, man, woman, and child, got up, moved to the side, and gave. Kingdom culture. 
it just blew me away. There was no, oh, it's my money, or I don't know if that's Old Testament, New Testament. They just embraced what the culture of heaven was like and when it comes to giving a generosity. What does a giant look like? What does the church giant look like when we represent the kingdom of heaven and generosity to our nation and to our town? Lives will be changed. It was awesome. But they did it as an act of worship as well. They were singing. They were joyful. They celebrated. It was, it was a way to just say, God, we need you so much. I give what I have. And I wasn't judging how much they had because we know the lady who gave a little coin compared to the rich man who gave a lot. You know, we, we read those stories. But every single person partnered with the, the, the culture of heaven and given and generosity. I think that's amazing. That's, that, I want to know what the church looks like when it wakes up and starts embracing the culture of giving and generosity despite the lies that will come against you when you push through and you fight for that. It was incredible. It blew me away. It blew me away. So I want to invite the, the band up now because the fourth thing that uh, I saw was around worship. They gave worship. Uh, gave as an act of worship, but my goodness, their praise and their worship was just next level. Regardless of whether it was five in a room, 12 in a room, or 150, your ears were bleeding because they were giving it all to Jesus. They sung with a passion. They weren't worried about what they sounded like to, compared to the next person. They weren't phased whether the, a person beside them was lifting their hands or not. They were just all in reverence because they know the God who saved them and what he saved them from and what he saved them into. And they had a heart of worship. What does heaven look like when it comes to worship? God gave me the picture on the plane. It is not this. Hands in your pockets, mouthing words because you don't really feel like it. Heaven is full of worship, exuberant praise. It's not because of how you feel or what you're going through or what you're challenged. Worship goes beyond that despite your circumstances, despite who you are, because it's not about you. It's about the one they worship. What would a giant church look like if we actually broke down the cultural barriers that said, I don't feel like worshiping today, and said, regardless, I'm going to worship my God because he is worthy because he gave up everything. That's kingdom culture. What does your worship look like? When the worship leader says, come on, lift our hands, what is the instant reaction? The cultural barrier and lie that says, no, I don't need to do that. Some of your greatest miracles and blessings are one worship away. How are you going to give it all? How are we as a church going to represent the kingdom of heaven when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit, being faithful and obedient because followers of Jesus follow Jesus in the waters of baptism? When we give generously and we worship because of who He is, not about what we're going through or who stands beside us, then a giant that is the church will rise and be noticed in a town where we get to display God's love. Don't allow your cultural barrier or your lenses box you in. So when you hear the Word of God today, 
Do not harden your heart. Ask the question, okay, what does heaven's culture looks like? Because we need to bring heaven to earth. That's our responsibility. And then you chase after that and you fight for that. And you, with all reckless abandonment, you just allow heaven to come to earth. Allow your senses and your, your cultural views be rocked by the kingdom of God this morning. And as we head into worship, worship, because God is worthy of all worship. Worship like you've never worshipped before because you never know what's on the other side of your worship this morning. Let's stand and give God all the worship and glory He deserves.